Well, church, it is good to be with you this morning. As, as I'm talking to you, Karen and I have already stood up in our family room, and we have worshiped with you just like we did last Sunday. And uh, these are just different times for us. I will tell you, just sitting here and sharing with you to an empty room is a very different experience. But here's what I know. I know that our entire church family is sitting. Some of you are in your family room. You're watching it. Some of you are in bed, and half of you is under the covers, and some of you are in your PJs, and some of you have dressed up, and you're just like you're at church, and your family's all there with you. It is good to be with you this morning. While so much is going on in our culture, we together need to be reminded who we are and where our hope is. Our hope is in Christ. And, uh, and I not only want to give you hope and share hope with you, I want to make sure that we as a church family are responding that way with all those around us. Uh, you know, we ought to be giving hope to our family, giving clarity to our family on who God is and what he's doing. And as we're going through this difficult time together, for some of us it's painful, for some of us it is just different and unusual. Some of you have your kids kids at home with you, and you're about ready to pull your hair out. We are just all going through this together, and we're all experiencing it differently. And I would remind you, and I just want to share some things with you. We've come through so much already. As I look back, Karen and I received the invitation from John, my cousin, to come out here and be a part of the Camelback staff and, and family. And uh, in and in 2001, if you'll remember, we had 9-11 happen, and I actually was in Argentina, didn't know how. We did not know how we were going to get back in the country. 2001, we also had anthrax. In 2002, we had the West Nile virus. 2003, we had SARS. And then the bird flu came in 2005. In 2006, we had E. coli. 2008, you, we all remember the economy collapsed, and that went on for several years, and we survived that. 2009 was the swine flu. 2012, we all remember the Mayan calendar told us all that we were all going to die. Well, we survived that. 2014 was the Ebola virus, 2016 was the Zika virus, and here we are in 2020, and we are dealing with the coronavirus. Church, what are you putting your hope in? What are we putting our hope in? Our hope is in Christ. He will take care of us. We will come through this. And look what Paul says in 2 Corinthians. He says this, he has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. And Paul was talking about a time that was so critical and so horrible for the early church that people were considering even taking their own lives. Paul says, he has delivered us from deadly peril. He will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope, and he will continue to deliver us. I want you to look at that verse. Because as we look at that verse, here's what I want you and I to see. He has, he will, and he will continue. Our hope is in God, and uh, that's where we live. That's where we live as a church. And this is a hard season, but I remind you, we are the church. He cares about us. We are his children. We're the apple of his eye. 
And uh, what I want to do this morning is I actually want to continue. I want to continue in the series that we have dollars and cents that we started two weeks ago. Uh, and uh, I, I just want to pick it up with the, the other side of this series. Uh, there's another area, this is another area in our lives that there's the potential for fear to go, for stress, anxiety, and worry to happen in our lives in the area of finances if, if we're living a life that I'm looking at most of the culture living is living in, which means that we're carrying debt, we're just carrying debt along with us in life, and that is causing stress and pain and worry. Robert Morris, talks, he's a pastor of Gateway Church, talks about, as believers, our financial life. Our financial life walks on two legs. One leg we talked about last week, and that's generosity and giving. The other leg is stewardship managing our money, how we take care and manage our finances. I want to talk about the second one this week, having already discussed the other one. And I've shared with you, our church, many times how as just about a 10-year-old kid, I was given in a birthday card $5, and that was a lot of money then. And, and, my, uh, and I asked my dad if we could go to the, to the store, and he said, well, let me explain something to you first. And we sat down, and he opened up his Bible, and he explained to me the biblical principle of tithing. We talked about that last week. And I, I recognized in that teaching what it meant to do, what it meant to do that. And, and from that point forward in giving, that's the pattern that my life followed is tithing and beyond, Karen and I together, in, in our lives together, uh, giving and honoring God with what he, he, uh, he gives us. And I have watched in my lifetime three specific times that the, the economy has taken a huge downturn. Uh, the first two, actually, I was in the building industry, and, and I lost my job as a superintendent both times, different builders. And I will tell you that God has always taken care of me. I left on a Friday both times, and I was working on Monday doing something else. God has always been so faithful. These two legs, generosity and stewardship, I want to focus on stewardship this morning because as followers of Christ, in our giving and our generosity, we are simply being obedient to what he tells us. This area of stewardship, he's challenging us and all through his word, especially in Proverbs, he tells us how we can be wise with our finances. And what I'm going to allude to here several times this morning is one, one of the things that we share at Camelback is the whole ministry to finances. We, we offer Financial Peace University. It's, it's, it's given by Dave Ramsey. And we have watched in the life of our church, we offer this twice every single year. We watch people's lives change in this area after they've taken this class. For some of us, we actually have gone through it two and three times before we really allowed it to take root in our lives. And so I'd, I'd like to just really talk about that this morning. Proverbs 22.7 says, borrower is slave to the lender. And as a pastor, I've, I've watched that in our culture widespread. And even in the life of our church, I've watched it. And, um, and I, would in, uh, I want to take advantage of this time because, uh, and, and this subject in our lives because I really believe that God wants something better for his children than financial bondage. Uh, 
God wants something better for you than for you to be living in financial bondage. This area of debt that we carry with us, we need to take the time to figure out what it means to and how we get rid of that and we begin to live by different principles. Jesus said, if you're faithful with a little, he will trust you with much. In other words, Jesus encourages us and all through scripture, we're encouraged to handle our money well and handle it properly. properly. Uh, And this morning, let let me give you three things that I just want you to be praying about. And when we pray about something, here's what we know. God answers our prayers. And as he answers our prayers in, in all three of these areas, would we be willing to respond? Would we be willing to move forward in the area of our life in finances? And it's, it's really a pretty simple message. And we, it's right from Scripture. So I want to look at it with you. The first thing I believe we need to pray is, God, give me understanding. Lord, help us to fully understand this subject. I watch our culture and many people do not understand how debt works against them in their lifetime. And and, and as we live our lives, so many accept it as a part of life and and think that it will always be there. Hosea 4.6 says, God says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Lack of knowledge is destroying my people, he says. And as I look at culture, many people just do not have a working knowledge of finances, especially debt. In our culture, so often we we see something that we want, something that we desire. Maybe it's a car. Maybe maybe it's some furniture. It, it, It has all different levels, but we We see it, we know we want it, and we ask how much. And when we ask how much, so often that how much turns into how much a month and how much down. How much money do I have to put down and and how much a month? And and then, then we're thinking, can I make that work? But what we're not asking is what is the real cost I'm going to buy this couch and, 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 and they're giving me a pathway of finance to, to get this couch and we're paying this amount of dollars for the couch but then there's all the interest that's going to be added and, and problems and penalties and, and all of that. That's the real cost and as I did some research and I, I, I find an astonishing figure. The average credit card debt in the United States is $16,000. The average person has $16,000 of credit card debt at any given time. And that may make some of you feel good because your number is lower than that. But I will tell you, you shouldn't feel good about any amount of money that you owe on a credit card. I I want us to understand this. $16,000. If you pay $250 a month on a $16,000 debt at 19% interest, it will take you 40 years to pay it off. Yeah, you heard that right. 
40 years. And not only will it take you 40 years to pay it off, you will pay $105,000 in interest for that $16,000. So let's be clear here. We borrowed $16,000 on credit. We have to pay back that $16,000 and we have to pay back $105,000 worth of interest over 40 years. In other words, it cost us $121,000 over 40 years of interest and the principal to borrow $16,000. That is the reality of debt. That is why the scripture says, borrower is servant to the lender. That is why the scripture says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. I want us to fully understand that. And maybe you need to get out your credit card uh, and your bills and look at them and begin to do some figuring. You can just go back to last, the, end of this, the statement at the end of the year last year, and it will tell you how much money you paid in interest for that card. Let's look at this from a whole other perspective. If you invested $16,000 at 12% interest over 40 years, you will have just under one and a half million dollars. Yes, that's how it works. Let me go even a step farther. If, for example, you invest that $16,000 over 40 years, you do the opposite of what you would have done in the first scenario, which means $16,000 debt, right? And you were paying $250 a month and you did it for 40 years and you ended up paying out $105,000 in interest. If you did the same things with, instead of borrowing $16,000, you invested $16,000. You invest $16,000, you continue, you pay $250 a month for 12% interest over four years, you would amass over $4 million. Obviously, in each of those scenarios, you have the ability to do it. You and I have choices to make. Those choices simply mean being willing to say no to some things for a while so later on, you can say yes to a much better scenario. There's, there's a book, uh, The Day America Told the Truth. And I've actually referred to this book in the past once. And, and, and uh, what, what they did in this book is they surveyed a group of people here in America. And they gave them a list of things. The scenario was, what would you be willing to do for $10 million? What would you, how important is money to you? What would you be willing to do for $10 million? And then they gave them a list of things and, and they would have to check off and, and prioritize the ones that they would be willing to do. 25% of the people asked would be willing to abandon their entire family for $10 million. 23% were willing to become a prostitute for a week or even more. 16% were willing to give up their American citizenship. 7% of the people asked were actually willing to kill a total stranger. 3% 3 were willing to put their children up for adoption. 
And before you even consider that one, I, I remind you of Proverbs 15, 27 that says dishonest money brings grief to the whole family. Church, we need to stop and pray, God, give us wisdom. And when he gives us wisdom, we just apply it. And applying that brings up my second point, which is, God, give me a plan. Give me a plan. Give me something that I can work my way out of debt with. Give me something that I can move from, from, from debt to, to prosperity, to being profitable. And look what Proverbs 21.5 says. And this was written thousands of years ago. The plans of the diligent lead to profit. God is not against profit. Matter of fact, Jesus talks about it over and over again. He, 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 takes, he takes the finances from those who are not handling it properly and gives it to those who are making a profit. The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. Diligent plans lead to profit. God, give me a plan. We talk about FPU here. Whether you do FPU or something else, you've got to have a plan. You don't have to have our plan, but you've got to have a plan. Diligent plans lead to profit. In other words, you do better. You get ahead. We're not talking about a get-rich-quick scheme here. That's not what we're talking about. Look at Proverbs 21.5. Plan carefully, and you will have plenty. Plan carefully and you will have plenty. If you act too quickly, you will never have enough. In other words, if, if, if when you don't feel great, if when you feel sad, you just get up and go shopping, that is not the way to live your financial life. It's not the way for me to live my financial off my life. Often enough, I talk about the way we think determines the way we feel, determines the way we act. You see, if, if we let the way we think determine the way we act, then we will act too quickly and we will never have enough. So God, help me to understand. God, give me a plan. Church, the, the fact of the matter is you can wander into debt and, we, and really most of us do, but you will never wander your way out of debt. It'll just never happen. You can actually mistake your way into debt, and we've done that. But you will never mistake your way out of debt. You need a plan, and I need a plan. I'm talking about this this morning because this is an area of our lives, church, that so many of us live in. Many of us live in the fear and the pain of debt, and, and we, we feel like we are just never going to get, I'm always going to have a car payment. I'm always going to have credit card debt. And unless you and I embrace a plan, once we understand this very process and we look at numbers and, and all of us are going to take, if we, going through FPU, we're going to take our numbers, we're going to look at it and there's a, a healthy plan and Dave has baby steps for us to walk through and we move from a place of carrying debt to a place where we are actually investing. And you will be surprised how short the distance between the two of them are if you have a plan. That's why we need a plan. My third prayer this morning for you and for me is God, 
Give me self-control. Give me self-control. We need self-control to make this happen. Proverbs 25, 28, like a city whose walls are broken down is a person who lacks self-control. Like a city. Can you imagine a city that, that has walls around it for protection and the walls are broken down? He lacks self-control. Broken walls mean you are totally vulnerable. Totally vulnerable. When we lack self-control, we're like a kid in a candy store. We are vulnerable. I, I want this, and oh, I want that, and I want, and, and, I, and I want them now. Our prayer needs to be, God, give me self-control. And we're in a world where the world around us tries to give us quick fixes and tries to give us get-rich-quick schemes and, and tries to give us alternatives. And the truth can be a very difficult pill to swallow. When we sit down and do the numbers and, and, and look at how much that we bring home and, and look at the debt that we have and we think how we're going to do that. I, I don't know how I'm going to do that. And FPU, we do that. And, we, and we, we actually look at it and we figure it out and we understand and we move forward step by step. See, the problem is unmanaged finances. But the reality is unmanaged finances are a symptom of an unmanaged life. We just don't exercise self-control. And that is something that we desperately need to be doing in our lives. You might say, well, James, I'm, I'm young. I, got, I have plenty of time ahead of me. I, I'll, I'll, get, I'll fix it at some point. I, I would say to you, hey, your life, every part of your life, every area of your life is a gift from God. And you've heard me say this before. What you do with that gift is your gift back to him. That's either stewardship or it's not. And the area of your finances, that's your gift back to him, what you do with it. You might say, James, I'm, I'm 60 years old. It's too late for me. And it is never too late when we honor God by embracing his principles and living them out. It is never too late. And this is something that God wants for you and I. He, he wants our finances to be the way they ought to be, the way he tells us they ought to be. He gives us so much clear instruction about debt, about different areas of finances in our lives. And he, he doesn't, he's, he's not sitting there as a God wanting from us. He's, he's sitting there wanting the best for us. One of the steps in, in this very process with FPU is, is actually our emergency fund, setting up an emergency fund where we have three to six months of, of income set aside so that if, if we were to not have a job for two months or three months or six months, that we would actually have the money in reserve for those six months. And I've, I've watched actually my nephew, Caleb, and his wife, Emily, apply this in their lives. Caleb had the opportunity to take a position with a ministry that placed him in Texas dealing with young adults. And, and while they, when they got there, Emily took a position teaching in school and, and probably halfway through the year, I think it was, they, they let Caleb know that they were just removing that position. They were cutting that off and, and he no longer had a job. 
but because Caleb and Emily had taken FPU, they had actually saved up and had their emergency fund in place for six months of their monthly expenses for living. Emily just fulfilled her term and her contract. They were as comfortable as can be right to the end, never worried about a thing, rested in the fact that they had made the right decisions and they just lived in the benefit of that. As you walk through FPU, as we take this opportunity, we, we understand what it means to be in debt and we ask God, give us understanding. He gives us understanding. He gives us a plan and then we move ahead in that. God actually wants to just put us in places where we are comfortable. God does not want us to live a life of discomfort. Karen and I have, have embraced this in our lives. The, the two legs of walking through as a believer, the two legs of finances are giving and generosity and our stewardship and handling our finances properly and getting rid of debt. Could you imagine your life if all the money that you were paying out every month to the debt that you have, you now had that money available for your life? Think about that. Sit down and do the math and come up with that number. Look, look what Ecclesiastes says to us. Solomon says, if God gives us wealth and properly and property and lets us enjoy them, we should be grateful and enjoy what we have worked for. It is a gift from God. Church, that's where God wants you and I. That's where he wants us living. He wants us to live in the benefit of what we have, being grateful for the job that we have, the home that we have, and doing our best really to take something out of our life, which is debt, that God never intended to be in our lives. God, give us the strength. Give us the self-control. Let's be praying those prayers. Let me pray with you, church, as we wrap up this morning. Lord, thank you so much for our Camelback family. Uh, Lord, I know so many are sitting right there in their living room together watching this and thinking about this very subject. Some of us may even have gotten up to go, go look at our, our credit card bills right in the middle of this. Father, I pray that, that we would be willing to accept the understanding of the knowledge that you've given to us, that we would be willing to embrace a plan and allow you to build self-control into our lives in the area of finances and in the other areas of our lives. Lord, bless our church family as we step into this next season. For many of us taking this class in April, and Lord, I pray that as we do that, as we do that, we will come out the other side of the nine weeks and have just a totally different outlook. We would have your outlook. We would embrace your plan and we would live in the benefit of that. Do that with our church family. In your name we pray, amen. This morning, Maybe you've been watching and you've never accepted Jesus as your personal Savior. I'd like to give you an opportunity to do that. You say, well, James, how, how hard is it? It's not very hard at all. It's, it's simply a matter of believing that Jesus is the Son of God. 
not only is the son of God, but, but he, came to, uh, he came to earth in the form of a baby. We celebrate it on Christmas every year. And he lived his life and he willingly laid his life down. They crucified him. They put him in a grave. He rose from the dead and we celebrate that. We're gonna celebrate it just in a couple of weeks here on Easter Sunday. He rose from the dead forever, giving real clarity to the fact that he was a son of God and he came to earth to be our savior. Simply believing that makes you his child. And that's a big deal. I encourage you to do that this morning, even right where you are. Father, thank you so much. Bless those who who have made that decision. In your name we pray. And if you've done that, let us know. Connect with us. Send us an email. And uh, God bless you guys. Enjoy the rest of this day.